2: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
0: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. promoted for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at
1: mintmobile.com. The following is a content warning. This episode contains mention of death and suicide. Listener discretion is advised. In the late afternoon on August 30th, 2019, in an otherwise sunny and pristine day, a body was found floating in Green Lake, a popular recreational and park area in northern Seattle. When police arrived, they pulled the woman's body from the water. It was 23-year-old Autumn Lee Stone. She had a vest zipped up to her neck. Underneath the vest, shoelaces were tied around her neck like she had been strangled. She was fully clothed, but her shoes were missing. At the time, first responders thought it looked suspicious. When detectives arrived, they quickly started telling the public it was likely a suicide and in just a few weeks, her case was closed. Immediately, friends and family didn't buy it. Questions began to formulate. How do you kill yourself with shoelaces? How did her body get into the lake? Why was she at Green Lake in the first place? The questions mounted. The police initially remained adamant that there was no indication of defensive wounds or foul play. But then, in 2020, the Seattle Police Department suddenly reopened Autumn's case. It's been almost four years since Autumn died, and the family is still waiting for answers and justice. This is the death of Autumn Stone.
3: It's devastating and sad and frustrating that still nothing has been done. There's nothing. Not a single thing has been done. Whether or not it was who people think it is, Whoever did it is still just out there. Walking around. Could be doing it to other people. We don't know. It's just, it's just infuriating. And somebody knows. And somebody's hiding it. Somebody's covering for this person. And that just kills me. Just kills me.
1: last episode I talked to Brent about the reasons and evidence why Autumn likely did not commit suicide. In addition to Brent's compelling evidence, Autumn's family from the beginning did not believe she killed herself. Again the note, or prayer, was seemingly the most vital piece of evidence the police pointed to support their theory. However as Janine, Autumn's sister, points out, Autumn was religious and the tone of the journal entry was a plea to the Lord to help get her kids back. I think we
3: didn't even have words. We didn't know what to say because it's the so-called note that they found was a prayer. She had talked to her dad, and he said, you have a lot on your mind. Write it down. Write down a prayer. Pray about it. She was very, very religious. And, you know, she wanted to look to God for answers. And so she wrote down a prayer. And it was about, I'm going to do whatever I can for my babies." You know, I she she wanted them back. She that's all she could think about was getting her babies back. That was all she wanted. And I, I, that note was not a suicide note. One, she was not capable of something like that. She would never, ever do that. For not just because she was religious, but because her babies were her world. She just wasn't she wasn't that kind of a person. And I'm not saying there's a specific type of person who fits that mold, you know. There's all kinds of unexpected things like that, but she was not anywhere close
1: to that level. Beyond the prayer, Janine also said something was wrong about how Autumn's body was found. This is something I agree with and has perplexed me from the beginning. Autumn was in the lake with shoelaces around her neck hidden under her vest, and had no water in her lungs. I can't fathom, based on these facts alone, how the police could have such tunnel vision on the suicide theory. I want to be clear. Autumn's case is an open investigation. Despite that, at this point, and to my knowledge, no one has ever been charged with a crime in the death of Autumn Stone. However, I think it's hard not to steer in the direction that foul play was somehow involved in Autumn's death.
3: It definitely doesn't seem like a stranger kind of a thing, because... There's just so many pieces that don't make sense. Her shoes were off. She was in the water. First of all, if she'd taken her shoes off, they would be neatly placed next to the bench. She was not a throw one shoe there, show up and and random bushes, different different areas. That makes no sense. And she was fully clothed with her vest. She had the shoelace around her neck. They found her with that shoelace around her neck so tight She would not have been able to do that to herself and attach it to what? There's nothing over there. And then after tying it so tight that she would have passed out, then zipping her vest up past it to cover it up. And then while while all of that's happening is ends up in the water because there was no water in her lungs. She didn't drown. She suffocated. And from my understanding, there was no signs of struggle. There was nothing, like... I don't know. She... None of it adds up. None of it makes any sense. There's no way. Autumn was not a very strong person. She was very gentle. The strongest thing she ever did was carry her kids... She was not, she didn't lift weights. She didn't, she didn't have a very physical job. She worked in a kitchen. She was in, you know, she was in good shape, but not muscular. She couldn't have done that to herself. Physically, she could not have done that to herself. It just, and I just, that makes no sense. And it's frustrating. It's devastating and sad and frustrating that still nothing has been done. There's nothing, not a single thing has been done. Whether or not it was who people think it is, whoever did it is still just out there, walking around, could be doing it to other people. We don't know. It's just infuriating, and somebody knows and somebody's hiding it. Somebody's covering for this person. And that just kills me. Just killed me.
1: According to the people I talked to, including Jacob, who was in a relationship with Autumn before she was engaged to Tyler and is the father of her first child, the area in Green Lake where Autumn was found was more secluded and isolated than other parts of the area, in theory making it a suitable place to commit a crime.
4: No, unfortunately, that's, that's that one area of the beach is the most secluded corner of all of Green Lake. You'd have to know the topographical area and tell her to meet you on that. Like, there was a reason somebody wanted to meet her on that side. That is the hands-down most shaded area, I would say, because there's probably, I don't know, 10, 15 feet off the trail that you can go walk back, and then there's some overhanging brush that does kind of obstruct the view in the area she was found. And that would be my guess of what happened.
1: Many friends and family want the police to look at one person closely. Autumn's ex-fiancé Tyler Washington. Again, I need to reiterate this. No one has been charged with a crime in Autumn's death, and anyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. This hasn't stopped speculation from those close to the case that Tyler might know more than what he said. The police questioned and interviewed Tyler during the initial investigation, before ruling her death a suicide. According to the case investigation report, they even received permission from Tyler to check his cell phone data but the analysis of the phone data showed that no location data was available after August 10th, 2019. The police did try to get a search warrant to access his phone records, but a judge denied the request, citing there wasn't enough probable cause and a search warrant was not justified. The police also retrieved Autumn's cell phone from the lake, but noted in the same case investigation report that it was completely water damaged and any data extraction was impossible. Tyler's alibi on the day that Autumn was found in Green Lake was that he was at his mother's house all day playing video games. In the case investigation report, the police interviewed Tyler's mother, who confirmed that Tyler was at the apartment with his three younger brothers all day. She also stated Tyler didn't have a car. I did reach out to Tyler myself and ask him if he wanted to come on the podcast to explain his version of events, but he hasn't responded to any of my messages. Autumn's friends and family told me that Tyler's behavior after Autumn's death didn't seem normal, and it hasn't helped quell any suspicions against him.
3: The funny thing to me, and I say funny, you know, with a I don't mean actually funny, um, is that for someone who says he's innocent, he didn't once he he posted once about what happened to her. He didn't share her the GoFundMe, he didn't Ask what was going on for the funeral. He didn't. He just disappeared. He stopped making efforts to see his kids. Their kids. He didn't. He didn't seem sad for very long. And that's not. That's not a proper reaction to something like that. Someone you're about to marry. Someone you just had a baby with. Dies. And you're. You make one Facebook post, and then nothing? Nothing. I, I don't know. It, it, it's very cold.
4: That was my first thought. All I needed to do was hear her one time. He killed her, and he's going to get away with it. No, he definitely, whether he was the hand that held... Or led her to it, had something to do with it. Absolutely. Just simply, but be- well, I came to that conclusion between simply motive and logical explanation. There's only few people she would possibly want to go to. And why else would she come to Green Lake, pretty herself up to go to Green Lake to then come to see me after? sounds to me that she would be talking to people to tie up, you know, what's going on and to fix the situation. First she's going to have to talk to the dad that's involved with it, then she's going to have to come and talk to me. There's just only so many logical explanations. There's just simply no tangible video proof that's come to evidence for some reason due to the lack of looking.
1: There has been a lot of frustration and anger directed at the police since they closed Autumn's case as suicide. After listening to Brent in the last episode, I think it's pretty clear to say that the initial detectives didn't do the most thorough investigation. When I talked to Brent in the last episode, he told me it's rare that the Seattle Police Department reopens these types of cases, and he remains hopeful they are making progress. However, Autumn's family remains frustrated with the lack of information from police it's been an uphill battle to get any information or significant updates on the status of her case. Here's Janine, followed by Jacob.
3: Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I know that there has been, there are a lot of family members who constantly reach out and push and push and push, and we get nothing. We get a big fat, well, it's an open case, and that's what we get. And I, there's no, from my understanding, there's, the the holdup is the hardcore proof. Even though there's really no other, and I I can't say for sure because I wasn't there, but I don't see how there's any other option. Nothing else makes sense.
4: Oh, absolutely poor job! His poor job. I mean, we're talking about the largest funded city in Washington State. We're talking about an agency that has a police officer killed on the side of a road in the middle of the night with absolutely no witnesses and rounds up the person within eight hours of the incident. But we can't come up with any answers whatsoever or even results for DNA that was evident on the scene. That's just absurd. You're not looking.
1: The memories of Autumn and the life she lived remain seared and vivid in their minds and hard to recount without emotion or tears. For her mother, Charity, losing Autumn has tested her sobriety and made her question whether there will ever be justice or closure.
5: is difficult because, you know, like, us as the parents, you know, we want to... We just want answers. I mean, I would, I would love for someday for this to be resolved and for us to have some closure. Because... I mean, at this point in time, I mean, I've, I've kind of accepted the unacceptable, you know, like I, I'm not, I'm not going to hold on to the hope that someday we may, because you know, I don't, I don't want to hurt more, you know what I mean? Because I I don't know if we're ever going to have closure, you know, I mean, we, we all have our, our hopes and, and everything, but you know, in, in our, in our thoughts and opinions on, on who we think did this. And, you know, but I don't have proof and I, you know, I'm a, I'm a strong Christian woman. And I think that, you know, that's part of the reason I've been able to keep my sobriety after the, the loss of my daughter, you know, I'm almost, almost at nine years sober now. And, you know, it's like, it's, it's like the test of all tests, you know, when I, I can't hold on to negativity, I've had to kind of forgive the unforgivable and kind of move on to the point where I'm not, I'll never, ever forget. Of course, I'm never going to forget, but I don't want to hold on to, you know, that hope that, you know, I mean, if, if something ever does come, you know, and there is closure, fantastic. But I don't want to sit here and think like it's going to, and then it does never come. So honestly, I, I 100% believe that, that it was him. Without a shadow of a doubt, I don't think it was a random stranger. Um, I But like I said, I literally, none of us have proof. And so one of the hardest parts for me is I, I kind of had to pull myself away from family conversations when it comes to my daughter because... Everybody loves to be the, the shoulda coulda wouldas. What if this? What if that? What about this? What about that? I can't live my life that way. You know, it's honestly it's hard enough to stay sober. You know, to I mean, I even I even quit smoking a couple years ago. Like I have no vices left. I'm living life on life terms. You know, like full on. Like I'm feeling it all. You know, and it's like I I can't I can't live my life on. Well, what about this? Well, what do you think about this? I can't. I can't, like I said, I, I kind of have to forgive the unforgivable. I have to do my best to, to live positively every day, represent my daughter. Autumn is the one that, that did the, the footwork and talked to my mother when she was 17 years old. And she's the one that, that got me sober because my body was shutting down. I didn't even realize I was an alcoholic. I had no idea. I just knew that I couldn't eat or sleep or anything for five weeks. I was, a, I was really, really in bad shape. It, it was pretty much killing me. you know. But she, she had the strength to talk to my mom, and they did the research and discovered that I'm an alcoholic. And honestly, that's probably one of the, the biggest reasons why I won't drink. I kind of have to treat it like allergy cuz you know i mean yeah i miss my daughter but and i want to go on god's time not on mine you know what i mean i don't want to make that choice to to take a drink no matter how hard it is sometimes you know i can't i can't make that choice i i want to continue to do everything i can to make her proud you know i'm where i'm at today because of because of her you know i have four grandkids that have never ever seen me drink and like i said earlier god willing hopefully they never will
1: green lake used to be a place for family walks and get-togethers it was a peaceful place for janine and her family now it's forever tainted for janine autumn's sister it's heartbreaking to think about what they will miss out on in each other's lives a hole will forever exist where her little sister once was.
3: Green Lake used to be our favorite place. That's why Autumn was there that day. She wanted to go relax and have some me time. Um, obviously, she—you know—there were ulterior motives and a plan to meet. is is, is what I'm—I'm I'm, what I heard. Um, but Green Lake is—is is beautiful. It's not anymore, not to me and not to my mom. That was our place. We would go there every Mother's Day and we'd walk around the lake. There's ducks, there's turtles, there's paddle boats you can rent, there's cute little quirky shops all around it. People walk their dogs, people ride bikes, people run on that trail every day. Still sad about it, you know? I'm going to be sad about it forever. You know, My, she's not going to see her boys grow up. She's not going to see, you know, my daughter. She's not going to... She's gonna be the, you know, maid of honor at my wedding. She's never just going to see me get married, like I'm never to see her get married. All these milestones and all these plans that we had and things we were looking forward to. And they're gone.
1: For Autumn's kids, they will grow up without their mother. Jacob, a devoted father, primarily cares for Autumn's first child. While Amy, her stepmother, and her dad, James, have recently adopted Autumn's second child. For Charity, Autumn's mother, her grandkids keep her grounded and sober. And she's grateful that Amy and James have adopted Autumn's second child. And that Tyler is completely out of their life.
5: Yeah, we didn't want to have anything to do with him. Right? So, the baby's still in the hospital. We don't see him. He, he's gone. I didn't see him again for, for, for a little bit of time. You know, until Jamie Navy got custody of the baby. When he got out of the hospital, he actually had went to a couple of different homes before they got him. And um, it was just very short-term places, homes or whatever. But I'm very, very, very grateful that they have him because he's still in the family and I can still go and have my grandma time with him. You know, these, these kids are my life, literally. Like I have four grandkids and they keep me sober. <laughs> I'm very grateful that I still am able to have that, you know, and that they'll never hopefully, you know, God willing, see me drink, you know. But, yeah, so I'm, I'm very addicted to these kids, and I'm very grateful for Jamie and Amy for for having him and taking care of him because I, I, you know, they when they first were looking for somebody that could take him, I, I knew I couldn't, you know. I have to work. I don't have I'm not well off like that not married you know single you know at the time you know I didn't I didn't have the means to be able to financially take care of him and I knew that he was going to be a 24-hour you know care you have to he's, he needs that
1: having the adoption officially go through for Amy and James is a relief when I first interviewed them in February of this year, they were going through the final hurdles and couldn't talk about it yet. But when I spoke to them recently, the long road of paperwork and visits with state officials was finally over.
6: It's so exciting and and absolutely thrilling. I don't have to have the state in my house every month. I don't have to have somebody coming in and looking at him, going up to his bedroom, checking his bed. Uh, I don't have to have the CASA here every month. I don't have to follow their rules. I can see speak freely. I don't have to be scared that they're going to come in and take him because there have been kids that are in mid-adoption and uh, the parent makes a bad decision or says something wrong. They come in and take them, and it's it. It's over. This child, God knows how long you've loved them, cared for them, clothed them, bathed them, fed them, and then they're just ripped away in an instant, in a day. And that's what I was scared of. That's what I was scared when Channel 5 did their thing recently because it could be that quick and it makes you nervous. And I get shaky and I start crying and freaking out because you, it's always on your mind, it's always on your back. And that was finally taken away from both of us. He's just ours, like our own child. So it's just wonderful. We've been just, the relief is enormous.
1: Autumn's second child will forever live with the injuries they sustained the night Autumn stepped out for food. Amy and James will need to spend money on expensive medication and dedicate their time to supporting the child almost full time, as they will not be able to function independently.
6: He's still on multiple medications for his convulsions or seizures, whichever you prefer. We're um right now fighting with the insurance company to pay for a different seizure medication to try and get them started. We've been fighting since November to get this medication. We've had a hearing. We're waiting eighteen days for them, the judge to get back to us on that hearing um, he the neurologist, one neurologist said that he. Most likely will never be able to walk without some sort of assistance in his lifetime. Of course, I refuse to believe that. But, yeah, is, uh going to be forced soon, and he can't sit up on his own. He can't hold his head up for very long. Um, he can't utilize his hands like a kid, and he can't speak. So he's basically... I hate saying this. Trapped in there. But he's happy. I would love for to have to spend four years trapped in his body, unable to use the restroom on his own, unable to stand on his own, unable to sit on his own, unable to eat on his own. I would love for that man to suffer. The way he has made other people
1: suffer. As this series ends, I want to stress the following. When I talked to Autumn's family, everyone said the same thing. Someone knows something about what happened to Autumn on that day. If you know something, you need to speak up, especially if you saw Autumn at Green Lake. Please call the Seattle Police Homicide Tip Line. The number is at the end of this podcast. If you took pictures or video at the lake that day, particularly if you were on the north end of Green Lake, go through them and see if there's anything of interest. One photo or video could change the course of this case.
3: Honestly, at this point, it's speak up because there are people, and I'm sure it's more than one, who know something, who know what happened that day, who know was there with her, who know who was there with her, and just aren't speaking up because they're scared or aren't speaking up because they don't care enough and aren't or don't understand the, the risks and the consequences of having somebody like that out there still or I don't know. I I guess I would just say, you know, make it an anonymous tip. You know, if you if you find photos in your phone from that day Or even if you live in the area and you have a video camera on your property, check it from that day. And, you know, whatever, spread the word, someone has to know something. There's no way that there was just nobody who saw something.
1: If you have any information about what happened to Autumn at Green Lake, you can contact the Seattle Police Department's Homicide Unit at 206-233-5000. If you enjoyed this episode and want to show appreciation, you can buy me a coffee at the link in the description. If you want to support the podcast on a monthly basis, you can head to the Patreon. For $5 a month, you get ad and sponsor free episodes, exclusive content, and early access to all new episodes of the podcast. For those of you who bought me a coffee or subscribed to Patreon in the last few weeks, thank you so much for the support. Thanks for listening to the Missing and Unexplained podcast. ACAST
0: powers
4: the world's best podcasts.